0: I beg of thee the conversion of poor sinners. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love Thee. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love Thee. Sancti Michael arcangele, defende nos imperio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opresidium. Imperatiri Deus supicesta precamor. Tuque princeps militiae celestis. Satana spiritus perdizione manimarum in mundo, divine virtute inferno vitrude. Amen. Our Lady of the Rosary, pray for us. As we prepare to enter into these joyful mysteries, giving thanks for the birth of our Savior, who's here before you on the altar. I'm not sure if you can see uh, very well our Lord, but who's right here, but So for this rosary the the tiny image of our lord is here on the altar and it's a great joy to be praying with you and your families throughout the world if you find yourself alone you're not alone on this day Uh, i'm praying with you and thousands of others throughout the world are praying with you and if you're joining us for the first time perhaps you're visiting your family welcome to this our lady of fatima rosary crusade and i want to share with you at the end of the rosary for those who wish to stay a few more minutes a, a beautiful meditation on the, the birth of our Lord, on the Holy Night, on what took place um, on that beautiful Holy Night. And before doing that, I want to mention two intentions for Daniel, who was called from this world yesterday. He died just yesterday morning. He was 91 years old and had the wonderful grace, after not having been to confession for many years. Received, went to confession, and was anointed just the day before he passed. It's a beautiful way, and a beautiful time to leave this world and come face to face with the King of Kings. And then also for a good lady, a member of our Rosary Crusade, who's in England, who just was rushed to the emergency room on on a couple of occasions. My understanding is, uh, for for back problems and uh, a good lady who has uh, raised in a devout way her family. And so please pray for her. Please keep her in your prayers that if it be God's will, he might heal her and especially that he might grant her strength and peace and the joy that only he can give at Christmas. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons cast thy solemn gaze upon the devil and all his minions and protect us with thy mighty staff thou fled through the night to avoid the devil's wicked designs now with the power of God smite the demons as they flee from thee grant special protection we pray for children fathers, mothers families and the dying by God's grace no demon dares approach while thou art near so we beg of thee Saint Joseph always be near to us Amen. Saint Joseph, the terror of demons, pray for us. Eternal Father, we offer Thee the most precious blood of Thy divine Son, Jesus, in union with the Masses said throughout the world today, for all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal Church, those in my own home and within my family. Amen. Amen. world without end. Amen. The first joyful mystery, the Annunciation to the Blessed Virgin Mary, we ask for the fruit of the mystery, humility. The second joyful mystery, the visitation. We ask for the fruit of the mystery, fraternal charity. now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of Thine mercy. The third joyful mystery the birth of our Savior at Bethlehem. We ask both for the traditional fruit of the mystery, the spirit of poverty, but also for a greater love and adoration of the newborn King, our dear Lord born as a tiny baby. The fourth joyful mystery, the presentation of the child Jesus in the temple. We ask for the fruit of the mystery, a spirit of obedience and purity. The fifth joyful mystery, the finding of the child Jesus in the temple. We ask for the fruit of the mystery, an increase of love for our divine Savior. O Jesus, I choose to live this day for love of Thee, for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Amen. Mm-hmm. Alma Redemptoris Mater Que per via porta et stella maris succure cadenti, surgere qui curat populo, tuque genu bisti, natura mirante, tuum sanctum genitorem. Mirgo prigus, ac posterius, Gabriele sabore, Summens Peccatorum miserere. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, who may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth we beseech Thee, O Lord, Thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the Incarnation of Christ Thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by His Passion and Cross be brought to the glory of His Resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. And may Almighty God, through the intercession of the Immaculate Heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary, pour out His graces upon each one of your families. Benedictio De omnipotentis. Patris et fili Espiritu Sancti, descendat super Supervos et Maniat Semper. Amen. Very Merry Christmas to all of you, and if you can stay with me for about 15 more minutes, if you can't, uh, I'm going to be praying with you all throughout this octave. It's been wonderful having you as part of this rosary today. But if you can, I want to, to share with you a meditation. Basically, if you will, read to you almost like a children's story, but not a children's story, uh, because it's for for all of us who are supposed to become like children of the holy night, that is, of the night in which our Lord was born. And it's a meditation. Some of you might have heard me say this before, but in case you're new, I'll repeat this. St. Ignatius of Loyola, perhaps the most famous retreat master in the history of the Church, he said to enter well into an aspect of the Gospel, something that took place, it's very helpful to compose in your mind a meditation where you picture all sorts of details that aren't in the gospel. And I won't go into the whole explanation as to why, but just it's a very well-founded Catholic uh, approach to the spiritual life. And so in that spirit, I'm going to share with you a part of a meditation written by someone else. So this is not not my words. I can't take any credit for it, but I think it's a very helpful one. It's about a 15-minute meditation on part of what took place on the holy night. Mary and Joseph are coming along the road into Bethlehem with Joseph leading the donkey that Mary is riding. Here we are in David's land, Mary. Now you will be able to rest. You look so tired. No, I was thinking. I think Mary gets hold of Joseph's hand and says to him with a blissful smile, I really think that the time has come O Lord of mercy, what shall we do? Don't be afraid, Joseph. Be steady. See how calm I am. But you must be suffering a lot. Oh no, I am full of joy, such a joy, so great, so beautiful, so uncontainable that my heart is thumping and thumping and is whispering to me, He is coming, He is coming. It says so at each beat. It is my child knocking at my heart and saying mother I am here and I am coming to give you the kiss of God oh what a joy my dear Joseph but Joseph is not joyful he is thinking of the urgent need to find a shelter and he quickens his pace he goes from door to door asking for a room nothing they are all full they reach the hotel Even the rustic porches surrounding the large inner yard are full of campers. Joseph leaves Mary on the donkey inside the yard and he goes out looking at other houses. He comes back thoroughly disheartened. He has not found anything. The fast winter twilight is beginning to spread its shadows. Joseph implores the hotel keeper. He implores also some of the travelers. He points out that they are all healthy men, that there is a woman about to give birth to a child. He begs them to have mercy, nothing. There is a rich Pharisee who looks at them with obvious contempt, and when Mary goes near him, he steps aside as if he had been approached by a leper. Joseph looks at him and his face blushes with disdain. Mary lays her hand on his wrist to calm him and says, Don't insist. Let us go. God will provide. They go out and they follow the wall of the hotel. They turn into a little street which runs between the hotel and some poor houses. They then turn behind the hotel. They look for the stables. At last, here are some grottos a kind of cellars one would say rather than stables because they are so low and damp the best have already been taken Joseph is utterly disheartened a Galilean an old man shouts down there at the end under those ruins there is a den perhaps there is nobody in it yet they hurry to the den. it is really a den Among the ruins of an old building, there is a hole beyond which there is a grotto, an excavation in the mountain rather than a grotto. It seems to consist of the foundations of the old building, which the roof formed by rubble supported by coarse tree trunks. There is hardly any light, and to see better, Joseph pulls out tinder and flint, and he lights a little lamp that he takes out of the knapsack he is carrying across his shoulders. He goes in and is greeted by a bellow. Come in, Mary. It is empty. There is only an ox. Joseph smiles. It's better than nothing. Mary dismounts from her donkey and goes in. Joseph has hung the lamp on a nail of one of the supporting trunks. They see the vault covered with cobwebs, the soil stamped ramshackle earth, with holes, rubbish, excrement. The soil is strewn with straw. In the rear, an ox turns its head round and looks with his large, quiet eyes while some hay is hanging from its lips. There is a rough seat and two big stones in a corner near a loophole. The blackness in that corner is a clear sign that a fire is generally lit there. Mary goes near the ox. She is cold. She puts her hands on its neck to feel its warmth. The ox bellows but does not stir. It seems to understand. Also when Joseph pushes it aside to take a large quantity of hay from the manger and makes a bed for Mary, the ox remains calm and quiet. The manger is a double one. That is, there is one out of which the ox eats and above it there is a kind of shelf with some spare hay, which Joseph pulls down. The ox makes room also for the little donkey that, tired and hungry as it is, starts eating at once. Joseph discovers also a battered bucket turned upside down. He goes out because he saw a little stream outside, and he comes back with some water for the little donkey. He then takes possession of a bunch of twigs in a corner, and he tries to sweep the floor with it. He next spreads the hay and makes a bed with it near the ox, in the most sheltered and dry corner. But he realizes that the poor hay is damp, and he sighs. He then lights a fire, and with the patience of Job, he dries the hay a handful at the time, holding it near the fire. Mary is sitting on the stool. She is tired. She watches and smiles. The hay is now ready. Mary sits down more comfortably on the soft hay with her back leaning against one of the tree trunks. Joseph completes the furnishings, hanging his mantle as a curtain on the hole that serves as a door. It is a makeshift protection. He then offers some bread and cheese to the Virgin and he gives her some water out of a flask. Sleep now, he says. I will sit up and watch that the fire does not go out. There is some wood, fortunately. Let us hope that it will burn and last. Thus, I will be able to save the oil of the lamp. Mary lies down obediently. Joseph covers her with her own mantle and with the blanket that she had round her feet earlier. But you, you will be cold. No, Mary, I'll be near the fire. Try and rest now. Things will be better tomorrow. Mary closes her eyes without insisting. Joseph creeps into his little corner, sits on the stool, with some dry shoot near him. They are very few. It does not seem they will last long. Mary is lying down on one side with her back to the door, half hidden by the tree trunk and the ox which is lain down on the litter. Joseph is on the other side, near the door, and since he is facing the fire, his back is turned toward Mary. But he turns around now and again to look at her, and he sees she is lying quietly. Some times go by, some time goes by, rather. Saint Joseph is still seated near a small fire, but the little fire is dozing together with its guardian. Mary lifts her head slowly from her bed and looks around. She sees that Joseph's head is bowed over his chest. She sits up and then goes on her knees. She prays with her arms stretched out, almost in the shape of a cross, with the palms of her hands facing up and forward, and she never seems to tire in that position. She then prostrates herself with her face on the hay in an even more ardent prayer, a long prayer. Joseph rouses. He notices that the fire is almost out and the stable almost dark. He throws a handful of very slender heath onto the fire and the flames are revived. He then adds some thicker twigs and finally some sticks because the cold is really biting, the cold of a serene winter night that comes into the ruins from everywhere. He warms his hands near the fire. When the fire is gaily blazing and its light is steady, he turns around. But he does not see anything, not even Mary's white veil. He gets up and slowly moves towards her pallet. Are you not sleeping, Mary, he asks. She turns around and replies, I am praying. Is there anything you need? No, Joseph. Try and sleep a little, at least try and rest. I will try, but I don't get tired praying. God be with you, Mary, and with you, Joseph. Mary resumes her position of praying prostrate with her face on the hay. Joseph, to avoid falling asleep, goes on his knees near the fire and prays. He prays with his hands pressed against his face. He removes them now and again to feed the fire, and then he resumes his ardent prayer. A thin ray of moonlight creeps in through a crack in the vault and it seems a blade of unearthly silver looking for Mary. It stretches in length as the moon climbs higher in the sky and at last reaches her. It is now on her head where it forms a halo of pure light. Mary lifts her head as if she had a celestial call and she gets up and goes on to her knees again. She raises her head, and her face shines in the white moonlight and becomes transfigured by a supernatural smile. And the light around her increases more and more. It seems to come down from heaven to arise from the poor things around her. Above all, it seems to originate from the Virgin herself. A light is given off more and more intensely from Mary's body. It absorbs the moonlight. She seems to be drawing to herself all the light that can descend from heaven. She is now the depository of the light. The vault full of crevices, of cobwebs, of protruding rubble, the dark smoky repellent vault now seems the ceiling of a royal hall. Each boulder is a block of silver, each crack an opal flash. Each cobweb a most precious canopy interwoven with silver and diamonds. A huge green lizard hibernating between two stones. Seems an emerald jewel forgotten there by a queen. And a bunch of hibernating bats is like a precious onyx chandelier. The hay from the upper manger is no longer grass blades. It is pure silver wires quivering in the air with the grace of loose hair. The dark wood of the lower manger is a block of burnished silver, and the soil is as crystal lit up by a white light, and the light increases more and more. It is now unbearable to the eye, and the virgin disappears in so much light as if she had been absorbed by an incandescent curtain, and the mother emerges. As the light diminishes, Mary is holding the newborn son in her arms, the little baby, rosy and plump, bustling with his little hands as big as rosebuds and kicking with his tiny feet that could be contained in the hollow of the heart of a rose. And he is crying with a thin, trembling voice, just like a newborn little lamb. She looks at her baby and adores him, weeping and smiling at the same time and she bends down to kiss him. The ox, woken up by the dazzling light, gets up with a great noise of hooves and bellows, and the donkey turns its head around and brays. Also Joseph, who almost enraptured, was praying so ardently as to be isolated from what was around him, now rouses, and he sees a strange light filter through the fingers of his hands pressed against his face. He removes his hands, lifts his head, and turns around. The ox, standing as it is, hides Mary, but she calls him, Joseph, come. Joseph rushes, and when he sees, he stops, struck by reverence, and he is about to fall on his knees where he is, but Mary insists, come Joseph, and she gets up and moves towards him holding a child close to her heart. Joseph is walking towards her embarrassed because of a conflict in him between his desire to go and his fear of being irreverent. They meet at the foot of the straw bed, and they look at each other weeping blissfully. Then Mary says, here, Joseph, take him, and offers him the child. What? I? Me? Oh, no, I am not worthy. Joseph is utterly dumbfounded at the idea of having to touch God. But Mary insists, smiling. You are well worthy. No one is more worthy than you are, and that is why the Most High chose you. Take him, Joseph, and hold him while I look for the linens. Joseph, blushing almost purple, stretches his arms out and takes the baby who is screaming because of the cold and when he has him in his arms he no longer persists in the intention of holding him far from himself out of respect but he presses into his heart and bursts into tears exclaiming oh lord my god and he bends down to kiss his tiny feet and feels them cold he then sits on the ground and holds him close to his chest and with his brown tunic In his hands he tries to cover him and warm him, defending him from the bitterly cold wind of the night. He goes between the ox and the donkey, which serve as a protection against the air and give out warmth. Mary has pulled linens and swaddling clothes out of a sack. She has been near the fire warming them. She now moves towards Joseph and envelops the baby with lukewarm linen, and then with her veil to protect his little head. Where shall we put him now, she asks. Joseph looks around thinking, wait, he says. Let us move the animals and their hay over here. We will then pull down that hay up there and arrange it in here. The wood on the side will protect him from the air. The hay will serve as a pillow and the ox will warm him a little with its breath. And he bustles about while Mary is lulling the baby, holding him close to her heart and laying her cheek on his tiny head to warm it. Joseph makes up the fire and he warms the hay as it dries up. He keeps it near his chest so that it will not get cold. Then when he has gathered enough to make a little mattress for the child, he goes to the manger and sorts it out as if it were a cradle. It is ready, he says. Now we would need a blanket because the hay stings and also to cover him. Take my mantle, says Mary. You will be cold. Oh, it does not matter. The blanket is too coarse. The mantle is soft and warm. I am not cold at all. Don't let him suffer any longer. Joseph takes the wide mantle of soft dark blue wool. He double folds it and lays it on the hay, leaving a strip hanging out of the manger. The first bed for the Savior is ready and the mother, with her sweet graceful gait, moves to the manger, lays him in it, and covers him with the strip of her mantle. She arranges it also around his bare head, almost completely covered by the hay, from which it is protected only by Mary's thin veil. Only his little face, the size of a man's fist, is left uncovered, and Mary and Joseph, bending over the manger, are blissfully happy, watching him sleep his first sleep.